Did you do it or do I do it? You collect the saliva okay. and you can just put saliva oh, you in here. Spit in it. You literally oh, I spit it. It was like a swab. On no, the inside no, of your cheek. no. It's you <laughs> oh, literally no. spit in it because there, there's more. Yeah, <laughs> you need to fill it from here up to there. Oh my god! Yeah, so nice. it's a bit it's much. A yeah, it's quite yeah. a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes oh. I'm a bit of patient, and it takes a long while before they collect everything. Yeah. Mm. Gosh. Yeah. That's gonna take me a while, isn't it? Yeah, probably it's is. Because I haven't had much to drink this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I Maybe I need to explain what's going on here. A few weeks ago, I came all the way from London to a community pharmacy in Leiden in the Netherlands. And I'm taking a test to see whether my genetic makeup has any particular effect on my response to common drugs such as clopidogrel, tramadol, and antidepressants. Although before all that, I have to generate enough saliva to hit the fill mark on the clear plastic container I'm holding. And I haven't even had time for a cup of tea yet. Okay, just take your time, yeah. Just take your time, it's okay. No, you don't need to start uh, at the bottom, no. <laughs> <laughs> what about that? Do you think that's enough? Yeah, I think that's enough, yeah. You're yeah, shall yeah. I? You can just flip it up, yeah. Ah, there we go. Oh. Yes, there it goes. Um, hmm. I'm Dawn Connolly, and in this episode of the PJ Pod, I'm investigating how community pharmacies around the world are providing a pharmacogenomic testing service directly to patients. I've also got exclusive news about a pharmacy multiple that is planning to launch a similar service in the UK later this year. And I'll be exploring how a wider NHS service might work through community pharmacies. But first, let's meet Fleur, who is currently holding a pot of my hard-won saliva. Okay, so maybe you could just start off um, just by introducing yourself. And, okay. Um, Saying what your job is. Saying what my job is. Okay, yeah. I'm Fleur van Helder. I'm currently 26 years old and I just started working at a pharmacy. Um, I did my studies in Groningen, in the north of the Netherlands. And um, I'm one of, we call it the second pharmacist of this pharmacy. Um, so Rulof is. Her pharmacy is one of hundreds in the Netherlands offering testing for a wide range of genetic variants that could affect responses to common drugs. I'm going to test for you the CYP2C9, mm-hmm. C19, 2D6. Maybe we could also do yeah, VCOR C1, I guess. I think that's also interesting. Fleur will send off my sample to a laboratory at the Leiden University Medical Centre, known as the LUMC. Um, she'll get back to me to discuss the results in a couple of weeks. More on that later in the podcast. So I'm going to put this in the safety bag and then I'll send it to the LMC. I just can put it in here and mm-hmm. then I'll just do it in the post box and then it will be all right. Okay, brilliant. Yes. Thank you. Pharmacogenomic tests are requested by a GP or pharmacist in response to problems like side effects or a lack of efficacy. At the moment, Fleur's focus is on the platelet inhibitor clopidogrel. And with good reason. About a third of the white population have a genetic variation in the CYP2C19 gene that metabolizes clopidogrel to its active form. This means that they need a higher dose to reach the desired effect. Okay, brilliant. And um, could you sort of, we've talked about it a little bit already, but could you walk me through the whole process of the test? Okay. I just um, try to explain to the patient how everything works and why it's important to do the uh, pharmacogenetic testing. Um, that's also a bit of a, a challenge because not all patients understand really why uh, it's needed to mm. perform the test. 
Um, so after explaining that and after them agreeing, they come to the pharmacy and they just do what you just did. So we collect the saliva, send it to the LMC, and in about two weeks I get a result from the LMC. Um, and I invite the patient to come to the pharmacy to explain uh, what is going to happen. Also contact with GP or um, um, uh, the prescriber from the Clopidogrel and explain why it's important, for example, to hire the dose uh, or anything like it, um, just depending on what the results are from the test. And then um, I explain this also to the patient and then together with the patient, I decide if we're going to hire the dose, if it's maybe better to switch to another um, uh, blood thinner, something like that. So just depending on what the patient wants and also what the prescriber wants. Mm -hmm. The Netherlands is way ahead of most other countries, including the UK in the pharmacogenomic testing it offers to patients. At least 80% of community pharmacies in the Leiden area have experience with pharmacogenomic testing, and results stored on the pharmacy system can be accessed by other pharmacies, GPs and hospitals throughout the country via a national electronic network. The service is a big ask for pharmacies though. Dutch health insurers currently only pay for reactive single gene tests, but not for any preemptive testing, or even for the patient consultation, which can take up to an hour. Fleur thinks it's worth it, though, for what it means to patients. How do the, how do the patients receive the results? Are they relieved to know? Yeah, I think they, they really like it that, that it's individualised, so that they really get a result that's, that's only for them, and they understand that um, uh, genetics are an important part of uh, how medication works. <laughs> and um, what sort of questions they tend to have about... It depends on, um, in Leiden, we also have a lot of people um, uh, from the university and also from a bioscience park. So sometimes they are very interested and really going to re- do a bit of research themselves. And um, But sometimes it's just some older people that don't really know and they just trust us. So yeah, what kind of questions do they have mostly? Um, how does it work? Um, do we need to pay for it? Also a very important question for patients. Can I uh, get more adverse effects? So can, can I get uh, um, um, more bleedings or anything like it when I use a higher dosage? Um, so that sort of questions mostly, yes. Mm-hmm. And um, do they have to... So I've just come out of the pharmacy there. Um, really interesting to hear about the pharmacogenomic testing service that they provide. And I really can't leave the Netherlands without talking to Jesse Sven. He is a professor of pharmacogenomics and he's really been integral to introducing pharmacogenomic testing into the Netherlands over the past um, 15 years or so. And he's based up at the hospital uh, in Leiden, which is about a 10 minute walk away. So I'm just going to head up there now. So, um, my name is Jesse Swin and I'm a clinical pharmacist and pharmacologist and I work at the Leiden University Medical Center where I'm an associate professor of pharmacogenetics and also the chair of the hospital pharmacy laboratory. Could you kind of explain to me why pharmacogenomic testing is important and how many people it's sort of relevant or how many medicines it's relevant for? Yeah, of course. It, it, well, pharmacogenomics is um, is really important because, um, well, I'm I'm a pharmacist. I work with uh, drugs a lot, and and we know that uh, while overall most have a positive uh, uh, risk benefit ratio, uh, still a lot of um, improvement can be can be made in 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 the response uh, numbers. 
uh, and maybe even more importantly, a lot of these drugs uh, that are effective do also cause adverse events. Um, so we know that um, around uh, um, six to seven percent of all hospital admissions is the result of an adverse uh, uh, drug reaction. Uh, and by using um, pharmacogenomics uh, information, I think we can substantially reduce these uh, these numbers. How do we sort of know that these genetic differences really make a difference to how we respond to medicines? Is there enough evidence, um, you know, for us to know that it's worthwhile to do these tests? For several specific gene drug combinations, there is very clear evidence from, from prospective clinical studies that doing a pharmacogenomic test really uh, improves the outcome of, uh, of therapy. Implementing pharmacogenomic testing in the Netherlands hasn't all been plain sailing though. Jesse and his colleagues first contemplated the idea after being inspired by the completion of the Human Genome Project back in 2003. They wanted to be ready when people started to turn up at the pharmacy with their genetic test results. So they set up a working group in 2005 with the aim of conducting literature reviews and providing specific recommendations on drug gene interactions that would be available to community pharmacists at the point of care. So this was started in, 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 in 2005 and um, I think that uh, uh, that was a bit early because uh, of course uh, we're now uh, um, 17 years down the line and still not many people have their genetic test results available. But I think this was very It took several years, but Jesse and colleagues had a clever way of getting pharmacists on board with testing at a national conference. Um, I think it was in 2015 or 2016, I don't know the exact date anymore, we, uh, at the um, annual um, conference uh, of the Dutch pharmacists, we organized a session uh, together, uh, I did it together with uh, Professor Ron van Schaik from Erasmus Medical Center, where we offered pharmacogenomic testing to all the pharmacists so they could obtain their own pharmacogenomics uh, profile at a very strongly reduced uh, price and we uh, together we were in a room with I think 1200 pharmacists and, and, and um, a large proportion of them had their own test results available and uh, together with Ron uh, we discussed the results um, and I can still remember that we, for example, asked, okay, so if you're a CYP2D6 uh, metabolizer, uh, please raise your hand. And you could really see in these lines that uh, people, of course, know their own result, but they also saw, oh, there are so many. I think this really um, made it very visual uh, that um, pharmacogenomics is, is really important and it affects a lot of people. Jesse tells me that he hopes to start a new discussion with the Dutch government soon about broader reimbursement of pharmacogenomic testing. This is on the back of results from the PREPARE study, which is part of an ongoing European project called Ubiquitous Pharmacogenomics. Jesse is principal investigator on PREPARE, and it involves 7,000 patients across Europe who are being preemptively tested for a panel of clinically relevant pharmacogenomic markers to see whether this reduces the frequency of adverse drug reactions. In the Netherlands, this was done via community pharmacies, but in other countries, like the UK, patients were tested in secondary care. Yeah, so the panel test um, um, that we tested in the study covers 12 genes, mm -hmm. and these are related to these, um, uh, it's, it's actually 39 different drugs. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and, um, and, and really with this we, we, we aim to show that by implementing this you can substantially reduce the number of clinically relevant adverse drug reactions. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, uh, within the project we follow patients for uh, all patients for at least 12 weeks after they started with a new prescription uh, and we collect information on adverse drug reactions and, and overall uh, what I can say is that in the, let's say, in the uh, study arm, so where the pharmacogenomic panel was implemented, we see a lower number of adverse drug reactions than in the uh, control arm. Yeah, so um, uh, I cannot give right now the, the specific numbers, but overall it seems a very uh, uh, positive result. After our interview, Jesse offers to show me around the laboratory where my DNA sample will be analysed. What's this? So now we're actually in a room where we um, receive the DNA uh, samples and these can be either blood or saliva based. And this machine is used to, to isolate the DNA from, from the samples. Uh, so that is used several times a day to isolate the new samples that we have um, collected. Um, and the DNA is then processed in the next, uh, the adjoining rooms where we do the actual actual testing. Mm -hmm. I had how, in a basic way, how does the testing work? <laughs> <laughs> or is it not possible to explain no. that in a basic way? Yeah. The science behind how genetic variants are identified is too complicated to explain right now, but suffice to say it involves searching for single nucleotide polymorphisms, or SNPs, something you might have heard of if you watched the latest James Bond movie, No Time to Die. If you, if you look it back, there is this, there, they have these, this, this terrible virus or disease that targets your DNA, and then they're also talking about single nucleotide polymorphisms. I was really surprised about that. Yeah, yeah very nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully my DNA sample won't be used to create nanobots programmed to kill my nearest and dearest. That probably only makes sense if you've seen the movie. So I'm back on the train, uh, heading towards Schiphol Airport. Uh, it's really good to see how community pharmacies have implemented pharmacogenomic testing services in the Netherlands. and. You know, they've really been at the forefront of this, but they're not the only country where community pharmacies provide this service. Um, it's also available in the US and Canada, and also in Australia. The PJ project is just about a stretch to the Netherlands, but I don't think a transatlantic flight, or even um, a flight to the other side of the world, is, um, is gonna wash. So I'll be heading to those community pharmacies virtually over the next couple of weeks to find out exactly how those services are working. You know, it's funny because when it first started, I had doctors saying, I don't believe in this stuff. So they really wanted more information. So I'd have to sell them on the pharmacogenomics part of it first before we can even speak about the patient uh, issues. Now I find that doctors are reaching out to us to perform the test because they're having issues trying to find the right dose. My first stop is Canada. And that was Fabio Durango, a community pharmacist based in Toronto. Fabio started a pharmacogenomic testing service six years ago. He recalls his first patient, who was referred to him by the local hospital. A patient was on many different antidepressants and antipsychotics, and they were readjusting the doses over and over again. And what we determined was with this one particular patient, the patient was on a medication, they wasn't working for them, so they increased the dose. When they increased the dose, 
the patient started to receive side effects. So then they ended up switching to another medication, but because they figured that this person was sensitive to the medication, they actually provided a, a lower dose just so that the patient can tolerate the medication better. And when we performed the pharmacogenomics, we, we determined that on the first case, the patient was a, a slow metabolizer, and that's why you needed to increase the dose. But on the second case, the patient was a, a rapid metabolizer. So by us giving a smaller dose, the patient wasn't actually at therapeutic level. So this took many, many weeks before, before the, the, pharm- the hospital reached out to me. And then with pharmacogenomics, we were able to get the patient on the right dose um, because what the patient was feeling was it was their fault. It was they were doing something wrong and, and medications aren't helping me. And, and, and it was really creating a, a social issue and a, and a mental issue for that patient because we couldn't find the right dose for the patient. And that is the power of pharmacogenomic testing. It can give prescribers and patients actionable information on how to adjust medicines or their dose to ultimately improve patient care. And Fabio has been integral to the development of the service. Our focus has changed. The service is the same, but our, our focus has changed. So over time, I, I've, I've been able to realize which, um, w- sort of which patients uh, benefit the most from this. So we try to target patients who either are on medications, but the doses keep uh, being adjusted, or patients who are new to a therapy and need to start a therapy, we, we try to target those patients. So patients who are not getting the satisfaction that they, they require from medication, or they're having errors like side effects or anything like that, or if they're new to a, a therapy, we focus on those patients and we offer the program to them. And does Fabio find it easy to interpret the results of these tests? The results are just that, they're just results. But how to interpret the results requires someone who's trained on pharmacogenomics and someone that's gonna make a decision and say, you know, the recommendations could be to increase the dose, but maybe this is not the right situation for this patient. So we have to make some professional judgment calls when we do get those results. But are most pharmacists trained to make these calls? The Pharmaceutical Journal recently did a survey of 600 pharmacy professionals, which found that two-thirds had never had any training on pharmacogenomics or genomic medicine. Experts that I've spoken to said that most pharmacists don't need to have an in-depth understanding of the science of genomic medicine. Knowledge of how the service works, what action to take from a particular test result and good communication skills are arguably more important than knowing precisely the mechanism of a particular variant on drug metabolism. You need the right support system. So just because you've received the training doesn't mean that you're ready to go out there and do the service. It's about being prepared being aware of how the service, what the service entails, how to conduct the service, um, and that may take some time. That was Nami Naga, Professional Services Development Manager at Quality Pharmacy, based in Melbourne, Australia, the next stop on my virtual world tour. Quality Pharmacy was one of the first pharmacies in Australia to start providing a pharmacogenomic testing service back in 2015. Nami says that, like most things, confidence in providing the service comes with practice. So have those mentors that you can talk to, um, have those discussions with your peers as to how you know, confident you are about discussing the reports, talking to the doctors about the reports, talking to the patient about the reports, practice if you need to. Providing the service has ultimately improved NAMI's relationship with local GPs, although it did create some tensions in the beginning. 
So a lot of doctors felt that, you know, why are you questioning our prescribing? Um, but it's again about educating those doctors and making doctors visits, which most of our pharmacies, we actually encourage our pharmacists to do. And it's building that relationship and also educating them that this is not about taking that power away from you about prescribing, it's giving you that tool um, to prescribe in potentially the most proper, um, the proper medication to the patient for their condition. But yeah, if you've if you've developed that relationship with the doctors, the doctors are aware that you do provide that service, they, um, they will refer you, they will refer the patient to your pharmacy, which again, just produces that, um, re increases that relationship, I should say. The services in Canada and Australia operate in much the same way as those in the Netherlands, but commercial panel tests tend to be used rather than testing for single gene variants. The test Fabio offers looks at genes that are relevant for over 200 medicines and it costs the patient the equivalent of about £150. This may seem expensive, but Fabio explains that it only needs to be done once in a lifetime, unlike other tests for things like kidney or renal function. And a health insurer in Canada has recently started reimbursing the cost for patients starting antidepressants after evidence showed a benefit. One aspect of the service that Nami, Fleur and Fabio are all keen to stress is the professional satisfaction they get from providing it. When I first started doing it, I thought it was amazing because um, it, it's what we've learned in uni, what we were always taught, but then we never thought that it would actually be something relevant to our practice. So it was, yeah, just fascinating. Um, most of the pharmacists who are trained up, they feel the same way. They feel that it's it's a personalized medication in a way, um, which it is. So it's it's really helpful to the patients. And we, yeah, we find it rewarding in the sense that we're helping patients. And it's when patients come back and say, look, you know, thank you so much for recommending this test to us because now I'm on a medication that does um, assist me with my condition and it's yeah it's it's rewarding in that sense for sure. I think re pharmacists really need to act on this this is this is this is our uh, specialization this is where we can um, uh, provide the patients uh, and the GPs with information so I hope that all pharmacists are going to uh, embrace this and <laughs> try to make it their own because I think it's 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 actually a very good service from pharmacy to have and also really shows to patients what we're capable of. Not only is it professionally rewarding, but Fabio points out that it's good for business too. What I love the most about a service like this is that it brings the patient back. It gives them more questions to ask and it increases our value as pharmacists with the patient. Uh, it increases my relationship with the patient, so loyalty factor, trust factor, and, and, I, and I feel that this team effort between the patient and myself really bodes well to, um, you know, how well the patient's going to do in the future. I mean, it sounds like a no-brainer. So why aren't community pharmacies in the UK already providing this as an NHS service? Well, Scotland seems to be the furthest ahead, with NHS Scotland currently tendering for a £66 million pharmacogenomics service to improve the management of polypharmacy in primary and secondary care. But this contract isn't due to be awarded until 2024, and it's not clear yet whether community pharmacists will have any involvement. The UK government has committed to reviewing how pharmacogenomics has the potential to reduce harmful prescribing by 2025, and community pharmacy's role is expected to form part of that review. 
but I wanted to get the inside track on where community pharmacy might fit in an NHS pharmacogenomic service. So I got in touch with Munir Permahamid, who holds the only NHS chair in pharmacogenetics and is a member of the NHS England's pharmacogenomics working group. Munir is also the UK lead for the PREPARE study that I mentioned earlier. So I think pharmacists are essential in this. Uh, you know, pharmacists in hospitals and pharmacists in the community, and most of the prescribing goes on in the community, obviously. How it's provided uh, in the UK uh, needs some discussion. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, pharmacists are busy in community, you know, and that is something additional to add to their work burden. Uh, and, and, you know, GPs uh, are also busy as well. So I, th- I think there does need to be a big conversation as to how uh, you know, it is provided. It may be that the uh, you know GP feels that this patient needs uh, uh, you know a pharmacogenomic test, or the uh, pharmacist uh, in in the general practice primary care pharmacist says you know we think we need to be able to do this. The GP may not actually be able to do that test. You know, they send them to the local uh, pharmacy, um, and the local pharmacist can do that uh, test and so on, and may send it off to a, a central laboratory uh, and then get the result back. Uh, so, so I, th- I think there is a role. Um, obviously, um, you know, so it, it's how uh, one can develop that role uh, without uh, overburdening the whole healthcare profession and the pharmacy profession as well. Manir suggests that perhaps not every pharmacy would need to provide the service. It may be that there are some sentinel sites. It may not be that every commu- every uh, you know pharmacist in a village provides that service. But you know, there may be some sentinel sites which 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 do. And I think the pharmacists are going to be essential. Pharmacists are going to be essential not only in terms of testing, but also in terms of interpretation. However, he emphasises that there must be equality of access for patients. So, you know, one of the issues that we will need to tackle is how it's paid for. Uh, And, you know, what we need to make sure uh, we don't start off a postcode lottery whereby, you know, the richer uh, people can get access to it, but, but poorer communities can't. And we need to make sure that anything like this in terms of new technologies being introduced into the NHS do not in any way uh, increase health inequalities, which is, which is uh, 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 an issue which often arises with new technologies. That's true, although the NHS could be outpaced by private providers, including some community pharmacy chains. Day-Lewis, a multiple with over 250 branches, has told me it plans to pilot a private pharmacogenomic testing service from a few of its pharmacies this summer. And if successful, it hopes to expand the service to more pharmacies. There have also been reports of another chain that has similar ambitions, although nothing appears to have materialised yet. Let's hope that these private services will make the case for one commissioned more widely by the NHS, as happened with flu vaccinations. There's more information about the Day-Lewis pilot on our website and we'll obviously keep you informed of any further developments. Well, there's only one thing left to do, and that's for me to get my test results. And I must admit, I'm really quite excited. Hello. Hi, Dom. Hi, Fleur. How are you? Hi, I'm doing fine. How are you? Yes, I'm good. Good to see you again. Yes, good to see you again. Yeah. 
So, yeah, don't keep me in suspense. Did I produce enough saliva for a sample? Yes, you did. Yes, you did put up enough saliva. Um, yes, I have received the results from... Apparently, I'm a normal metabolizer for CYP2C19, which means that I won't be needing that double dose of clopidogrel we talked about earlier. I'm also an intermediate metabolizer for CYP2D6, and that means that I might not metabolize some antidepressants such as amitriptyline and nortriptyline as quickly as others do. So I could get more side effects and I'd need to look out for that. Even more interesting, the test also showed that my chances of getting myopathy with statins is low. So that's good to know. I'm really glad I took the test. You know, I'm not taking any of these medicines right now, but if I was to be offered them in the future, I could make a more informed choice about what might work best for me. So roll on the day that everyone can rock up to their local community pharmacy and get this done. Thanks to Jesse, Fabio, Nami and Manier for talking to me and a special thanks to Fleur, especially for bearing with me through my dry mouth episode. This episode was presented by me, Dawn Connolly and produced by Jeff Marsh. Please follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and tell us what you thought of this episode on social media using the hashtag PJPod. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. <laughs>